Happy Monday. Welcome to another sneak preview. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb J. And today we've got two films to talk about. No Exit and Studio 666. Three films. Um, yeah, four a week. It's been, well, two films we're going to talk about and one oh, film yeah. you're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, can't forget Shudder. I don't have a dog in that race. No. But as you know, I feel like I'm not missing anything from what you've been describing these films thus far. I feel like I'm I'm doing all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like you were saying, Horror Weekend, which I wasn't expecting at the end of February, but hey, I'll take it. Yeah, why not? You know, in between blockbusters, it's good to have these little weekends where we get to kind of pick and choose some some I won't say lesser films but minor minor films smaller scale films there you go that, which I, yeah i'll get into it on studio 666 but i hope i hope we continue to see films like that in the theater amidst the blockbusters um i am one of those that where i do hate what a lot of the older directors with their comments on the marvel film the mcu and the constant i get the uh the basic principle of like MCU being so successful that that's all they put in theaters is mm-hmm. big films like that. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, well, audiences need to show up with their money. Can't tell them otherwise as well. Um, but I hope to that we keep getting films like Studio Six 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 mixed in, obviously, with things like Uncharted last week and you know the Batman next week. So yeah, we can have it all. Mm-hmm. So before we get into it, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. Only one trailer to discuss this week. Uh, Barbarians, a psychological thriller starring uh, Ewan Rian, Catalina Sandino Moreno, and Tom Cullen. Comes out April 1st. And I kind of stumbled upon this one. It's uh, I did not see this trailer, so I, yeah, I figured you you wouldn't. It was a um, it's it's a super indie film supposed to come out last year, didn't for reasons I didn't really bother to find out. And uh, it looks like a dinner party gone awry kind of movie. Like you know, there's secrets come out. It looks like a, a your next situation comes out like happens. And it's the guy who played Ramsey from Game of Thrones. So I'm in. Uh, yeah, this looks interesting. And now we have something to talk about next to Morbius. That sucks. <laughs> uh, I don't, dude, Morbius, I'm losing like hope, more and more hope. You know, I was kind of on board when it was supposed to come out last month, thinking like, okay, cool, it's finally coming out. Like, I'll give it a shot. I, I, I'm down to see Morbius have his own movie. Then they did that delay, and there's something about that final delay in correlation with the humongous success of Spider-Man No Way Home that a partner was like, are you doing this for the right reasons? Are you doing that the early DCU move and scrambling now to do something more with the movie? And that's why I delayed it, you know? That's that's why they did it. I mean, why else would they not ride the Spider-Man wave into January? It's just, yeah, there's... I'm not expecting much from this movie. Yeah, um, I, I got a feeling this is going to very much be 
one of those films that's it's obvious the amount of reshoots and studio interference and all that shit that it's going to come in. I think it'd be hilarious if like randomly Jared Leto has like different hairstyles because like nobody bothered to change anything for the reshoots and like I I know it won't be that jarring. But I was watching, like, I watched X-Men 2 recently, and I never realized that in the beginning of the film, when Wolverine is going to Alkali Lake and looking around, he has a completely different hairdo than he does the rest of the movie. I don't notice that. Yeah, it's so jarring now. But, like, just as a kid, I was like, it's Wolverine. Ah, I didn't give a shit. I remember the Fantastic Four reboot, the, I think 2014, 2015 one, mm-hmm. came out. They didn't. They they did the same thing where they. I think they had to reshoot some movie or like they picked up whatever happened. They didn't bother to change out Kate Moore's like hair. Like I guess they didn't. Like I don't know what happened, but you can tell at one point when she's wearing a wig. And they were doing reshoots because I guess she changed her hair for a movie, and it's yes. it is incredibly jarring. Like it's it's like they didn't try at all trying. My favorite reshoot story is from Casablanca, actually. They were, um, so for some reason, the producer, one of the producers absolutely hated the song As Time Goes By, like, which became like an absolute masterpiece known for the film, you know, took off. It was a big deal, that song. And Mm -hmm. the scene in the movie where Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman are talking, you know, just, they just met and they, Sam's playing their song. Um, they want, the producer wanted to redo that scene with a different song. But Ingrid Bergman had just like cut off all her hair for a role. And this was back when I guess, you know, was it was too expensive to get a wig. So they had to keep it in the movie because they couldn't reshoot the scene. And they ended up that song ended up being like as iconic as the movie. So it's cool how little things are supposed to happen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Neat. Um, moving on. James Mangold, after he finishes Indiana Jones 5 will be directing an upcoming biopic on silent movie star Buster Keaton based on the biography Buster Keaton Cut to the Chase by Marion Mead. It's in very early development, but uh, we're getting a biopic of Buster Keaton. Uh, have you ever seen any of his films? Uh, no, because the, the silent stuff, they, I remember the silent comedies they showed us in film school were, was a Charlie Chaplin movie. Wait, no, they may have showed us one Buster Keaton film. I'm just not remembering he's a guy he's a guy i haven't really explored yet i'm a big chaplin fan but these other guys like you know keaton and harold lloyd i haven't really looked into them but i, I plan to but i have seen um sherlock jr buster keaton where he's mm-hmm. like a junior detective it's only like 40 minutes long it's super quick but it's pretty funny and he was known for like insane stunts at a time when you know there was no safety measures it was just a guy and whatever he wanted to do in front of a camera this was the 20s. Nobody gave a shit about safety. And uh, I mean, have you seen the scene where Keaton like literally lets a house fall on him so he can like land in the window for the shot? Yeah, yeah. Because when we were studying him and Chaplin, then they went over that, like how those guys like would do anything for the sake of comedy. And it always, it usually was never safe. Most of them could have led to your death and yet they pulled it off. Yeah. Well, back then, you know, if you died on set, they just like brushed you under a rug and brought in the next guy. Like it didn't matter. <laughs> Nothing mattered on the set. It's kind of insane. Like there was a, a film in the like late teens, early twenties called, I think it was Noah's Ark. 
and they flooded the soundstage and like four or five extras drowned to death because like they fucked up and uh one of the extras who survived was john wayne funny enough but um yeah i, I think about stories like that about early hollywood and how like you know so fucking dangerous <laughs> oh but yeah buster keaton deserves a movie for sure oh yeah i'm down to see that i mean he you're talking about like a someone that contributed so much to comedy as we know now he's one of them i mean what he was able to do with physical comedy in the silent era film is unmatched so yeah he deserves one i don't think he ever did any talking pictures i gotta look into that but i don't i think he like i know chaplin went on to do talkies and he was very successful with that but i don't i don't know if buster keaton ever did uh i'll look into that just for my own curiosity uh Chris Hemsworth has been cast as the villain in the upcoming Mad Max prequel film Furiosa, starring Anya Taylor-Joy as a young Furiosa. Uh, the character was introduced in Mad Max Fury Road, played by Charlize Theron, and uh, grew to immense popularity pretty quickly. The film is set for a 2023 release, and Chris Hemsworth as a Mad Max villain just sounds perfect. Yeah, I'm down for that. Look, I've been wanting on Mad Max since watching Fury Road, so like, I'm just been impatiently waiting for the next one um did you hear like some of the comments charlie's room's been saying about tom hardy i guess like some book or something came out yeah he uh she felt unsafe they got in some pretty big fights i get the feeling tom hardy's a really fucking intense guy when it comes to his characters i know him and leo had their disagreements on the revenant but that you know they got so deep into character I wonder if that's the case because I, I, Tom Hardy doesn't come across as like a violent dude. I don't know, but I don't know the guy. You know? It, yeah, it's tough because like I, I feel like he he. I'm like yeah, I think he just really gets into like his character work and stuff like that. Because I haven't really heard anyone else speak out pretty bad against him or anything. Like, and this isn't open like a cavalcade. Like sometimes it does, um, but at the same time, like I've kind of have heard some hints and rumors that Charlie Strong can kind of be kind of a bitch to people. Um, very much up on when I asked that person. So this is basically case, this is he said she said. Yeah. So if like that's the case, then it just sounds like you have a really a guy that really gets into character versus someone that's kind of full of themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, claiming yeah. they're feeling safe. I just I don't know. I don't get the vibe from Top Hardy that he would do go that far. I know he responded to it and said like, "Hey, I'm more professional now. I regret anything I did in my." Younger days starting out. So it's like my younger days, seven years ago. It was seven years ago, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, I know they, when I read it, they were trying to put in like crew member stories to back it up. Sometimes I always wonder if like crew members are just like latching onto what that actor is saying. It, it's tough. It's tough. I haven't, the thing kind of make me not fully believe it is the fact that so many people like it's only Charlie Strong saying it. No one else is really that he's worked with has said much. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who to believe here. I wonder when Mel Gibson's going to pop in in one of these new Mad Max movies just as like a cameo of some Wastelander crazy dude. Right. Especially because like apparently, I guess he's getting his comeback or something because he keeps like I keep seeing his ass pop up for some movie. Like, it seems like it's a new movie a week with Mel Gibson. I'm like, okay, is he coming back? Like, are we, are we accepting him back now? Like, what's going on here? 
I feel like every time a rich asshole in Beverly Hills gets pulled over, Mel Gibson like loses a little bit of his like bad will. <laughs> it's like a fairy contract or some shit. Cause he does get like every 10 years, a complete free pass, like a, a complete wipe of all sins. Like we forgot about the, the pullover, the sugar tits and the Jews are responsible for all the wars shit. We forgot the shitty apology that followed. We forgot the phone call, <laughs> which is, I don't get Mel Gibson is the only guy immune to this shit. I don't understand it. I know because now on the flip side of it, we're hearing that he's supposed to be directing the new, the final lethal weapon film in in the wake of Richard Donner's passing and that he's going to be the main lead for um, the Continental, the Tron Rick spinoff show on stars. I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) You can't cancel Martin Riggs. That's what's happening. He's too fucking crazy. He'll blow his own brains out first. <laughs> All I know is they better hurry up with that. If they want that to be the final film, they better hurry the fuck up. Because well, I think Mel Gibson still has it in him. I am more worried about Danny Glover. <laughs> he is an old man. And I've seen the new Jumanji. I, I want him to do this, but he still can. <laughs> Danny Glover has looked old since the 80s. I mean, in the first Lethal Weapon, he was too old for this shit. So I, I feel like he'll be fine. I hope. <laughs> he just hurry up and get it done. It's going to be some passing of the torch shit, like their kids are, are cops now, something like that. Like, of course, you know? Yeah. I'm okay with that. It's been working so far. We check out forever, essentially, passing the torch to the new guys. Yeah. Um, next up. Fred Hetchinger has been cast as the shape-shifting Spider-Man villain, the Chameleon, in the upcoming Craven the Hunter movie, set for a January 2023 release. Hetchinger starred in the TV series The White Lotus, was also in News of the World, The Woman in the Window, and all three Fear Street movies. So his stock rose pretty fast uh, last year, and now he's the Chameleon, uh, who apparently is Craven the Hunter's half-brother. I didn't know that. (laughs) So, neat. Yeah, they're, they're really moving ahead on this. I don't know. I, I want to be excited for this because, like I said, like Venom 1 and 2 put some goodwill in this like universe for me, but just with everything going on with Morbius, I'm like, I don't want to be excited for Craven. Just see it get delayed, delayed, delayed. Oh, we need to rework it so it fits with this stupid... At this point, I'm just going to wait to see how what more the release of Morbius and its reception to see what happens to Craven if I should be excited or not. I'm still wondering how Michael Keaton fits into all this. Yeah, I, I remember one day I was like, you know, because I, I, I had an ad was playing one day. Or no, the trailer, when I went to go see Studio 666, they played the trailer. And, you know, I was sitting there thinking, okay, what if, like, it makes sense in regard to this takes place after Spider-Man, Far From Home, so all that murder and stuff like that is actually in response to what happened in Far From Home because they think he killed Mysterio. I remember thinking that like, oh, well, that would make sense. And then I forgot about the then the I forgot about the Victor or not the Victor. I forgot about Michael Caine's part. And then that part I was like, well, maybe. So that doesn't make a loss. Uh, it's like I don't know. That's what I got. Is that maybe it's le- legit just after supposed to take place in between two and three. But then if depending on the rumored fucking reshoots, is that going to muddy it up more? 
Well, that would, you know, if it does take place, that would imply that Morbius takes place in the MCU. And I don't, right. I don't think they would let that happen. Yeah. And then I forgot, I was like, well, wait, that doesn't work because and as soon as I thought it, I was like, well, that doesn't work because fucking Tom Hardy got pulled into the MCU and then pulled out. And I was like, I was like, yeah, how the fuck does he, I don't know. Well, what if like I don't know they could they could do some you know movie magic say like Vulture got sucked into the Garfield universe or something like that for briefly I don't I'm honestly I wouldn't be surprised if they just cut that out of the movie completely <laughs> yeah oh what if it's like a fucking post credit scene oh my god well that would piss me off but earlier this year Michael Keaton said like he was doing an interview something and they're like what do you got going on and he's like well I'm doing doing some Vulture shit next week. Like he he let spill that he was filming more vulture stuff, so I think they want to they want him to be a big part of the or at least you know not maybe maybe not throughout the whole movie but have a significant scene with Morbius maybe a couple. I don't know why. I don't know. Everything about this movie makes no sense. <laughs> it's it's a mystery, and I just want to see it so I can stop thinking about it. Uh, this is this is a movie that's like it's either going to really blow up in their face what they're trying to do with it, or it'd be the most revolutionary thing we've seen in between Spider-Man: No Way Home and Doctor Strange and Multiverse Madness. I think this is going to be Jared Leto's second comic book movie strike. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to tell us that while we like him outside of comic book movies, may not put him in a comic book movie. Do we? Do we like him outside of comic book movies? Oh, Spider Club, working for a dream. Yeah. All right. He's yes. All right. He's he's good in those movies. As a person, I'm not saying. Oh no, I'm not saying as a person. He seems like a pretentious douchebag. I don't want to be around. Testable, and I apparently he's like pretty damn close to leading a cult on some island somewhere. Of course he is. <sighs> no, like you know, he's a pretentious douchebag in real life. I'm saying acting wise, I like him outside of um superhero films. Like I like his films, so he does a you know, but aren't superhero stuff. So I think he puts in good performances and he's apparently trying really hard in these movies and he get he picks some shit scripts or I just he, for bad luck. It just yeah, it, well it just seems like he can't bring the like the, the strength of the performance he does in those dramas to a thing like this. I wonder if he just like doesn't take it that seriously. Is it just a paycheck gig for him or is it, you know, he keeps getting saddled with, you know, shitty movies that keep getting reshot to hell to the point where they're unrecognizable. Yeah, because I know, like, Suicide Squad had a bunch of, like, reshots and studio meddling, so, like, you know, who knows if, like, had it been presented the way it was supposed to be, if his version of the Joker would have actually landed with people and worked, you know what I mean, in the finished product. Um, I feel like Pimp Joker doesn't work in any setting, but, you know, I haven't seen David Ayer's vision, so maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it, it could not work still. I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, had it been done the way David Ayers wanted it. Um, and same with this. Like, is this going to be another case that you picked up? It's, yeah. But, no, yeah. Outside of movies, no. I would not want to be anywhere near Charlie Leto. I, I feel like that would be someone that I would just, like, lose my sanity having to be around that man. Yeah. Seems like he's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Finally, I know it's a short last week in film, not a lot happened. 
Um, Oscar-nominated actress Sally Kellerman has passed away at 84 years old from heart failure. Kellerman was nominated for her performance in 1970s MASH and also appeared in such films as Back to School, The Player, and a lot of TV. Uh, Sorry to hear about Sally Kellerman's passing, but I fucking hated MASH. God. That movie was terrible. I don't know how in the world it spawned a super successful TV show because the movie is horrendously boring, not funny in the slightest, and somehow won uh, Best Adapted Screenplay uh, at the Oscars, uh, despite being almost entirely improvised and the screenplay widely ignored. So I don't know. I don't care for that movie, but I am sorry to hear that she's gone. I've never seen the movie. I have seen the show because my parent, my mom liked the show. Um, I, per- I personally really like the show, but like each own. Um, yeah, tragic passing. I'm not as familiar with her work, but so sad to hear. Yeah, always sad to hear about one of our legends passing away. And then she had a she had a following, you know, Oscar nominated actress. That that's a significant milestone in anybody's career. So rest in peace. Sally Kellerman. Before we discuss our two headliners, uh, why don't you tell us about Shudder's new new release, Hellbender? It, uh, I didn't really like it all that much. Um, off the bat, um, I will say this: I, you know, it was apparently made by a, a an actual like filmmaking family. Like it's like a mom, dad, daughter type like filmmaking team. Um, very DIY. It reminded me of I put it in my uh, review, but when I was a kid, we used to get the movie channel on our cable package, except it didn't come in clear. Like there was this weird fucking white line thing, fuzz stuff that would come through. But me being a you know young teenage horror fan, when I was in my room at night on Saturdays, they did a every Saturday they did a double fe- double feature horror film. It was like a big thing that movie channel did from a certain time block. And um, I would watch it even through the shitty thing just to consume more horror, get familiar with some more stuff. And, you know, every so often they do something like, you know, you can catch and be like, you know, the remake of Hills Advice or Halloween, you know, something big. But nine times out of ten, they showed very low budget straight to video type horror, um, things like fingerprints and stuff like that. This is what this reminded me of. So in a way, I respect that, and I appreciate the nostalgia trip of seeing like a very like DIY um, horror film, very low budget, done by a family team. Absolutely respect the hell out of that. I personally wasn't that invested in the story being told, though. Um, it's coming of age story about a young woman finding out that she has ties to witchcraft. Her family is in a long line of witches, and my family in this case i mean her mom because that's the only other main character we have (laughs) and thankfully i'll give them this it's only like an hour 22 minutes so it's not like the two almost are like grief uh metaphors and coming age things that sure has been doing all month um so thankfully it does have a pretty brisk run time so it moved at least there is some cool imagery. They do have a lot of like, there's, you know, computer effects that don't look great because of how low budget it is, but they know they knew how to film it to make it work just enough for the film. Um, performances weren't terrible. Not the best, but not the worst I've seen. I just, like I said, I just wish the story was a little bit more engaging. 
because um, most of the time I was I was pretty bored. And I remember when it ended, I actually sat there and went, oh, wait, it's over? Not in, like, the good, like, oh, I want to keep going, but, like, wait, that was your ending? Like, it felt like they were setting up for the actual ending, but they said, fuck that, and they ended it right there. Yeah, this this doesn't sound very appealing. I think I'll, I think I'll pass on this. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, like, I've been, like I said, I think the past couple of weeks, I'm really hoping Shutter ups the fun factor with their um, original films next month because I am tired of a whole month with grief metaphors and ending it with a coming-of-age story involving witchcraft. Give me fun on Shudder, for Christ's sakes. What are they trying to prove? I mean, everyone who has Shudder I feel like wants, you know, entertaining, over-the-top, ridiculous, fun shit, not this introspective sad bullshit you know what i mean yeah i look i get it. they uh, diversify they want to show size of horror but and i have no and look i have no issues with like deeper meaning horror films right like i love hereditary the witch those are very films that go a lot deeper want want you to invest more um obviously you know george romero would put social contrary films um so i have no issues with it whatsoever if you know how to do it and you can make it work, it works wonderful. If you don't, if but if like I'm not, I don't want it all the time. Like I don't need a whole month of it. I because if it's not working, then I'm just fucking bored throughout the whole movie. And I don't know. I it could be the pandemic. Or hopefully, we'll be seeing an endemic here soon. Seeing how the news has been going on that, you know, between the Russia Ukraine stuff. Um. It could be that. It could be me getting older. I I would just want more fun stuff. Like just, I am I am more partial to fun stuff or in your face score. It's just my part. What I tend to, and that the more deeper stuff, like the, your hereditaries of horror, I like and I will go back and watch it again, but not as much as I'll go back to like a Friday Thirteenth. Yeah, I get that. You know, I want horror represents to me. You know, escape and fun and over the top, crazy shit. I'm not gonna see in my life. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to go to horror for grief and relationship drama and coming of age. You know, just as life. I don't want life in my horror movie. I want. I want death. <laughs> so many carnage, candy. <laughs> well maybe you know shutter will maybe they're saving the good stuff for the spring i don't know maybe like i said um i know there was one film that brought my attention that's coming out on their service next month and i do want you to watch that one called the spine of night um think heavy metal uh wizards that you watched recently ralph boschke in general yeah. um that type of stuff but made by people who grew up watching that loved it and then made it like their own and a lot of today's like fucking stars. Yeah, you yeah you mentioned that one. I'll I'll be sure to remember that. Yeah, that one I'm I'm legit looking forward to shutting it on there and um doing it for the show because I've been I, that's supposed to be a really good one. Sweet. Uh, well, Hellbender, you heard it here. Uh, probably don't need this one. Yeah. Um. No disrespect to the to the family and their team. By all means, eight. Hey, 
keep making movies. I'm, I'm again, absolutely respect you even had a movie made and put out there and DIY homemaking. That's awesome. Right now, I'm getting it, giving it a 4010. Personally, did not grab my attention. For those of you who like it, awesome. I'm definitely interested in checking out this family's other projects. This isn't their first film, they have prior films. So it did at least get me interested enough to be like, oh, I kind of want to check out what else they've been able to pull off, you know? Yeah. That's good, you know? I mean, maybe their other work will be a little bit more, uh, a little tighter. Uh, But in the meantime, we've got. No exit from Hulu. Uh, very much a you know self-contained whodunit thriller. Uh, teeters into horror towards the end, I would say, and uh, very intriguing. Based on a novel, uh, would like to maybe check that out. Hulu doesn't usually do a lot of original films; they're pretty TV heavy. But when oh. they do, hmm? I was like, well. <laughs> this is more like Disney. I was talking to about Josh because he he um time to come in the living room. Um, it's more that Disney bought Fox, as we all know, and I guess all these films that got finished already that are canned, good to go. They don't know what to do with now, so they're just dumping them on Hulu. So, because if you notice, it said 20th Century Studios. It it's a, it probably was slated for theatrical, but Disney didn't know what the fuck to do when they got it, and it came with the you know property of buying a fucking entire studio. So they're just like, uh, Hulu. I think they're doing the same thing with fucking Deepwater. They're like, uh, Hulu. Like, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with. It. I mean, clearly, you know, this shit ain't gonna pop up on Disney Plus. Uh, and I feel like Disney's being a bit more close to the chest with their theatrical releases after last year and you know not every everything working out i mean they made they made they made out fine but you know box office numbers with disney it's either a billion dollars or it's worthless yeah and when your spider-man no way home comes out and shows so much they can do with fucking spider-man they're just like yeah okay we so this this or nothing, and I'm scared to know how much Doctor Strange is probably going to fucking make. Well, who lose? You know, it's fine. I lo- I think their original output's not bad. I really like Little Monsters. That's the first one that comes to mind. Oh, um, Monsters! Uh, their comedies tend to really hit. That when we vacation friends or whatever it was called, uh, Johnson that was really funny. I do. I will say, like for the most part, Hulu originals tend to to me be of a bit more quality than what Netflix is putting out. But like I said, that 2022 Netflix rule, maybe Netflix is stepping their game up this year. It looked like it at least. Maybe. Maybe all that shit's coming out in the fall. Maybe. I know the Adam Project actually does not look terrible. I was actually kind of going, I might check that one out, actually. You know, it doesn't look too bad. I'll wait for the reviews. Um, no Exit follows this girl named Darby who's dealing with some uh, some drug problems. She's in rehab for the seventh time. She lost contact with her family who don't trust her anymore and then finds out that her mom's in the hospital after an aneurysm and her sister does not want her to be there, but she needs to be there. So she leaves rehab and starts to drive, ends up in a snowstorm where she ends up trapped in a vacation or in a uh, visitor center with a couple other people who are also trapped in the snowstorm. 
And after wandering outside, she finds a tied up little girl in the back of somebody's van. And now she's like, who the fuck kidnapped this girl and why? And you find out pretty damn quick. It was actually kind of a bummer. I was, I was hoping that was going to be the big thing. Rusty, well, to me, it wasn't a bummer because I know the trailer made it seem like that was going to be the whole movie. I was figuring out who did it. I like what they did with it, though, and that it wasn't necessarily like who did it, but who all is involved in this and That's why. True. I actually like the way they did that because to me, it kept you engaged. Like you were constantly, it felt very old school to me, like having the, it was a very lean and mean story, like a very tight story. I like that. It was like, they knew what they wanted to get to from point A to point B, you know, and and having it to where like they were doling out that information just enough throughout the movie. It kept my interest big time. Like when it's revealed this guy and then like, Oh shit, it's two of them. Wait, Oh shit. There was someone that helped put this all together. Like I liked that the film kept doing that and kept surprising you like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. All right. I'll, I'll rephrase. It wasn't all right, a bummers too much. It was more just kind of like, it, it caught me off guard or was like, Oh, okay. This isn't the movie I thought I was going to be watching. No. And I, you could make the argument that like advertising could have done better, but I don't know how well they could have advertised that without spoiling the movie. That's you know true. I mean? Most of the movie is you already know who did it and that's where the action comes into. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, I thought that the girl who played Darby, um, Havana Rose Liu was very good. Uh, I believed, you know, I, I bought the whole, you know, damaged, but trying to redeem, like, she had a good redemption arc, you know? I, I really, yeah, I really liked her performance. I liked her, yeah, I liked her character arc. Um, seeing her being, like, you know, her family wants nothing to do with her. Her sister's kind of being a dick. I'm just going to say she's being a little bit of a bitch by not letting her see her mom. But at the same time, you understand, because it's established that she's had prior issues with drugs. Um, so it's like, it's one of those things where you get it, but you're kind of like, well, you're, it's the mom, like, come on. Um, but then like, yeah, having her get involved in this, in this plot to help the slowborn redeem herself is, um, to me, was a really smart way of doing it. There was one scene I remember watching kind of going, I don't know if I would have done that for a character that's trying to get better. So when she snorts Coke, I was like, that doesn't really gel well with your redemption arc story you're trying to tell. Well, they used it almost like the way Popeye uses spinach. Like it was her super juice. And I yeah. thought that was that was a weird take for a film about someone in recovery. <laughs> that, yeah, that was my only time I sat there and went like, okay, why would you do that? Like, it would have, to me, been more powerful if she had just fucking been able to do it on her own. Going with that redemption arc, you know what I mean? Like, Instead, an addict's way saves the day. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I guess they figured, like, well, we're going to end it the way we end it, so it's fine. I don't want to, I don't know if we really want to spoil it here right now, but yeah, we've been pretty like we haven't even said who did it. Like we've been very good at keeping secrets here. Do you want to keep um, secrets? I mean, it's up to you. I know we usually spoil the living shit out of these movies, but yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. And I mean, I am gonna put the, the, the movie in the, the title of the episode, so it's not like someone's gonna go in here thinking like I didn't expect to hear no exit. What what's this? So fuck it, let's go nuts. Right, yeah, fuck it. We'll have more fun talking about it. So if you've seen if you've seen the movie, welcome aboard on this one. If you haven't, turn us off now. In three, two, one, let's go. Yeah, the scene where she pulls the nail out, right? I feel like that would have worked more to her redemption arc 
She did it on her own and did not use the cocaine. I, I kind of want to, like, I want somebody to edit that scene so when she snorts the cocaine, you hear the, the, the Popeye music when he eats the spinach, you know, da, 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 like that, like heroic, like, oh, here we go. And, and then she pulls the nail out. <laughs> it just, it was such an odd story choice. It really um, was. And I don't know if they thought in their head, like, hey, we're going to have her end up in rehab anyway, again, and actually go through with it at the end of the film. So it's fine. And I'm like, not really. Like, well, she's not there voluntarily. Like, this is court ordered rehab. So, regardless of how this film ended, she was going to go back to rehab. Yeah. Like, she had to be there. So, I, that was the only odd story choice they had. Um, I guess going into, since we're going to go ahead and talk spoilers, like I said, how they reveal who was involved of the people in the, in the building, in the, whatever, the community center. There we go. I, again, I really did like how they unveiled that information because um, it kept, to me, it kept me invested. Like I said, this, I guess the, I kept hearing the term like popcorn entertainment type film. And I know some people use that in, their, in very negative term, but I mean that absolutely possible. This is a film that, because of how they present information and stuff, like get some friends, watch with like some, you know, get some popcorn, watch with friends. Like it really does a good job of keeping you invested when it wants to show the information with you. From when he, he was first involved, you know, blah, blah, blah. I hate people who use the term popcorn movie in the negative. Like, if you're not, like, if, if you're not watching film to be entertained, like, why are you here? Like, pull the stick out of your ass and enjoy the something for once. Yeah, and look, after a month of deep, deep horror films on Shudder, and the two years we've gone through, I welcome this film with open arms, big time. Like, yeah, let me just have fun. Um, and I, I am glad the film does not spend all the time making you wonder who does it because let's just be honest, the first person they, they unveil as the the kidnapper um, is pretty obvious. And from there, it does be... So, like, I would say, like, their next two reveals are when I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. Like, I wasn't expecting that. But the first one, I was like, okay, yo, I kind of figured that guy was giving off vibes to begin with. Well, I like the use of the bullshit game. Like, I thought that was smart to kind of see... You know who here can lie best who here is on edge and this guy does not like to be he doesn't like to, he doesn't like to lose he doesn't like to be made fun of he doesn't like to be mocked and this whole thing's a fucking power trip for him uh but at the same time he also doesn't want to hurt this girl <laughs> I, it made me laugh the uh the third reveal i know we're skipping ahead here but well, we always kind of just jump up around with these films um mm-hmm. When it's revealed that Allstate guy's wife is the maid, uh, everyone died, so I guess they weren't in good hands. Anyway, it's my it's my only Allstate joke. <laughs> I couldn't go through this without one one Allstate joke. <laughs> but um, when it was revealed that she was the um. The little girl's maid, who the little girl was blackmailing into dancing like a lunatic. I'm like, oh, the kid's an asshole. That makes this a lot more palatable. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was like, okay, so it's like a you know rich TikTok influencer kid. I have no problem. This could this could go either no way now. Problem with her going to a sex trafficking ring. Wow. 
Well, no, I meant like dying without her medication. Like I'd be fine with that. The sex trafficking thing. No, that's, that's fucked up, but she, she was a dick. She, she deserved a little comeuppance. Not death though. Jesus Christ. No, but like maybe a nail. So maybe, but also, anymore. I, but also probably not getting kidnapped in general. I think that's a little bit far in getting comeuppance. <laughs> Fair enough. That was like, I was not expecting that reveal when they're sitting there and like she wakes up and she's like, she was my maid and essentially set it up. And then they do the, I love when they're doing the flashbacks. She tries to lie at first and she's like, I didn't hear because I had my headphones in. But the flashback shows her she did not have her headphones in. She was listening and I'm like, you fucking. And all state guy's face when she was saying it, like, that was a true face of like, you just betrayed me. I do want to make it clear though. His name's Dennis Haysbert. I know that, but he's the Allstate guy. <laughs> and he is actually, yes, and he is actually really good in this. I, I give him credit. I really liked him in this movie. But yes, he is the Allstate guy. <laughs> I just finished uh, Lucifer, and Dennis Haysbert, Allstate guy, plays God in that show, and he is fucking awesome. He's a perfect like. That's what God sounds like, you know. We're in, we're in good hands. All right, now I'm done. Now I'm done with the Allstate jokes. <laughs> I can't help it. But yeah, he's he's good. And uh, the only, you know, well, I guess, you know, Darby, like they're the only two decent human beings in this movie. Everyone else is a fucking mm-hmm. nut. That, yeah. that, that the, girl, the lady was like, oh, like, she's like, she's going to be fine. There's like, you, how do you get in contact with kidnappers like to make that, call like where do you go to be like i need two people to kidnap this douchey child i work for kind of yeah first off yeah how who do you call for that probably on the on the dark web if i'm being honest um and also how do you how did she think this was going in like because you like you said it looked like she almost thought like it was going to be fine like nothing's going to happen to the kid I'm like, did you really delude yourself enough to think like she's not going to some kind of sex trafficking ring or some shit like that? Like, kids, especially little girls, do not get kidnapped to then go get things to a park and play. Like, <laughs> yeah, Uncle, what Uncle Kenny? Is that who they kept mentioning? Oh yeah, it wasn't Uncle Kenny. It was Uncle, I think, Lloyd or some shit like that. Oh, well, it's always an uncle, isn't it? It's always a creepy uncle. Yeah, I don't think he was technically an uncle though. I think that was a title. That's cre- that's even worse. That's yeah. even creepier. He's like honorary Uncle Creepy. <laughs> yeah, because I earlier mentioned like, oh, he found us because they were like foster kids, the two uh, kidnappers. I remember, so I'm like, oh, so he's not an actual uncle. He just has them call him that, which does make it yeah extra fucking creepy. Um, I legit did not see. I think he's played by Dane Ramirez's actor. I forget his name, but I did not see him. Ash, there we go. Him being one of the kidnappers when that guy revealed, I was like, "What?" Yeah, I started thinking like, "Oh, they're all in on this shit," like somehow. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, "Allstate guy, no, not you. Please don't hurt me like that." And he wasn't. <laughs> thank God. No, he wasn't. But he does get killed, and I was like, "God damn it, not the Allstate man." Yeah, <sighs> he seemed so nonchalant about everything. Like when she's like, "You know, the money was gone." He's like, well, "Why didn't you say something? I had a plan." Like, I feel like, oh, yeah. 
Well, what I like is that he can tell some shit's going on because they keep kind of, I mean, you can see on his face because he, you know, it's established that he's a Marine or was a Marine. He knows something's up. Like, people aren't acting the way they should be acting. Um, and I wonder if, like, him being nonchalant about when she was like, oh, I, I had a plan, was more of like him trying to process the shock that his own wife would get involved in something like this. Yeah. She, I, I saw her in an episode of Breaking Bad where she played a disgusting human being, like a, you know, legacy meth head uh, who was with a guy whose name, I kid you not, was Spooge. And it was a really fucked up episode. A uh, guy ended up getting his head crushed with an ATM that he stole from a, from a convenience store. And like, it, it's a gross episode, like the most, like, rock bottom you could ever see with drug addiction and so i i associate her with like rock bottom meth and heroin addiction (laughs) because that's that's what i remember her from so i feel bad about that (laughs) but good good show okay interesting connection i know right uh yeah, no, this um that's very good. I also like the the bit of gore we did get. Like this wasn't like an incredibly gory film, but like what we got was pretty good. Like so just the whole scene where she gets like stapled to the or not stapled, the nail gun to the wall, and she has like pulled the thing out. That's actually pretty gnarly. Um the whole like in when she finally gets the um, the one guy um with the screwdriver, the flathead, fucking punctures him around the neck yeah that was satisfying that guy was so unnecessarily like mentally torturous to her just like you know taunting her with her mother's death and her father's suicide and just like for no reason at all just to be an asshole oh yeah you could tell he was a he was very much a psychopath he liked the power yeah i think he's uncle i think he's uncle touchy yeah probably um but yeah that that was satisfying I, I was also honestly super satisfied when he has the nail gun and the the gore like scares the shit out of him and, like pushes on whatever and actually fires the nail gun and hits his like his creepy ass brother in the head with it and then he, like yeah did he die before he hit the ground or did he trip and the nail went into his brain no one into his brain you can tell, like, it stopped just enough that, like, directly, if we're going off reward logic, get to a doctor, they can pull it out, wrap it up. He'll probably have some, you know, he'd have some permanent brain damage, but could be fine directly. But then he, yeah, he stripped on the blood, and that thing just went fucking in and then killed him. <laughs> Karma's a bitch. Uh, but, yeah, the gore was surprisingly hefty. There's something so visceral about a nail gun. Like, it's just... It's so painful. I'd yeah. rather get shot with a real gun than a nail gun. <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, what is it? Uh, Final Destination Three has the nail gun death in it, where the chick just gets fucking blasted through. You know the the usual you know Final Destination rude um, rude Goldberg setup death sequence, but it ends with her getting a nail gun, and it was like, it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> Sweet. Um. I thought it was weird that they only sent one like rookie cop to this and the guy was the guy shot shot Darby and then got shot. That was the most incompetent cop because he was so quick to shoot Darby 
And great, I get it. She literally just shot a guy in front of him. But then, like, the guy had enough time to grab the nail gun or grab the gun, aim it at him and shoot, and the cop didn't do a fucking thing. I'm like, you didn't see him grab the gun? Like, hurry up and shoot, bro. <laughs> um, I feel like we it could have been a bit longer. Maybe, like, you know, in the end, you know, had Darby get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more redemption. But I guess maybe her story's not done. You know, it's just kind of starting. Yeah, I, I think I would have liked to see what, what, like, what, what happened to the Gore, like, what happened to her. I'm yeah. assuming she went back to her family, which would just make sense. But yeah, I see what you mean. Um, but at the same time, I was really happy with the runtime because. Last week, there was like two or three films I watched that were fucking two hours long. I was like, all right, enough of this shit. Give me the 90-minute movie back. I just need 90 minutes. In and out. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get you. Um, So final score. I'm I'm still kind of torn between a 7 and an 8. I'm going to wait to write my review and see where it takes me. I I give it an 8. Um... I just like overall, like I said, it was just a fun movie. I thought it was very tight. I like that. I mean, I'm not gonna really intro this too much. I'm sure they probably were having like issues going, how do we market this without spoiling a fucking thing? Um I I I liked how they doled out the information and kept the surprises going to keep you invested. I thought, like I said, really liked Danny Ramirez as one of the bad guys Ash. He was fucking great as the bad guy. Um and uh Havana. Rose Lou, right? Is her name? Um, yes, yes. Uh, she was excellent as the as the lead character. I, I genuinely hope to see her more stuff because she really was like that good to me. Um, this is I I genuinely kind of wish this film had Disney kind of knew what they want to do with all these films and it had a chance to get shown in theaters and get a large audience to see it on the big screen. I think this would have been a crowd pleasing type of film. Um, overall, based off how much fun I had with it, I'm 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 going to give it an eight. I, I give it an eight. Fair enough. I would have had one last twist. Allstate guy was Uncle Touchy. <laughs> I thought I was half expecting like as soon as they revealed like his wife was in on, I was like, is he going to be on too? Is he is he the uncle? <laughs> yeah. He's gonna it's gonna end with him killing Darby. He's gonna take the girl and he's gonna whisper in her ear, "You're in good hands." I hate you. All right. For real this time. Done with the Allstate jokes. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. No exit. Pretty good. Now, for the main course, Studio 666. What the fuck was this movie? <laughs> this song? Look, if you had told me in 20, like, if you had told me years ago, hey, look, man, in 2022, there's going to be a horror comedy film honed by the director of Hatchet 3, starring the one and only Free Fighters, and filled with some surprising-ass cameos you won't expect. I would have been like, okay, sure, buddy. Okay, right. And yet, here we are, 2022. It, it, came, it came out and had a really fun time. This was way more hardcore than I thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to be fairly, you know, R-rated for like, you know, language and maybe a couple sexual moments, but I didn't expect them to go this hard with the gore. 
And we, this has a, a chainsaw kill in this movie that eclipses anything the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise has ever fucking done. In so my opinion. So doesn't beat the E4 Dead's uh, 2013's Chainsaw Kill. Mm, um, it's pretty close. I mean, that, that was impressive. That caused blood to rain in the sky. That's the only reason it beats it. Beats a, it from... a chainsaw came up through Whitney Cummings' head. That's and true. then just <laughs> bisected and him. Very well done scene where she's pleasurably moaning. And then you can't tell when the chainsaw enters because you're like, is she so into it? Is the chainsaw like what, what's going on? And then finally, boom. Oh, all right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We should probably explain what the fuck this is for those of you who are listening to a podcast about a movie you didn't watch, which is so weird. Why are you doing that? Right. That has um, Whitney coming to, by the way, has way bigger tits than I thought. I was like, Jesus. Sorry. Dude, I, was, <laughs> I, I wasn't watching most of the movie, honestly, when she was there. I didn't know. <laughs> look, I look before we get into it, I gotta go on my little we get, let's go on this little tangent. I've okay. always thought when it was hot. So like when I saw that she was in this, I was like, oh my god, yes. And I mainly I was like, please get naked, please get naked, please let me see it. And honestly, like I liked what I saw. And obviously I liked hearing her fake moan or whatever. But why well, I do wish we would have seen those bad boys in action. Wow. When she like was in a row, like I didn't I had a moment. Where I was like, "Those are really big." I did not know that. All right. I had never. Se- I knew that I knew her name, but I'd never seen her before. And uh, yeah, she's hot. Good for whoever the, the member of Foo Fighters was who got the fake banger. I don't remember. I, I like the Foo Fighters. The only name I know is Dave Grohl. I'm sorry. I think- I think it's their like keyboardist that fakes things her Rami Chaffee, Sh- Ch- Chaffee, however you yeah. say it. I was very impressed with the Foo Fighters comedic timing. They were really funny together. I guess, you know, what, 30 years now as a band has given them pretty damn good chemistry together. Yeah, yeah, you would think. Um, I, you know, look, this is a film that, like, it could have gone down terribly by saying we're going to cast a few fighters and they're going to play themselves like literally play themselves and that could have gone down terribly and they weren't bad like they were actually really good you can tell the chemistry from them being in a band for as long as they've been carried right over to the movie um i like that they all of them across board especially dave Grohl, obviously were having a ball just playing up their persona of them individually and them as a band I thought it was great. And yeah, there was a lot of funny comedic moments. Like when Dave mounts, fuck you after he, he insults his grilling. <laughs> I kept laughing my ass off at the Pearl Jam high five. <laughs> it's like, all right, we're still alive. <laughs> Yo, Jeremy. <laughs> that, was that was funny as hell. Um, yeah. When I, he was playing I, the riffs from his old songs. <laughs> So all my life. <laughs> oh, dude, that's a really good song. Except you wrote that twenty years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, there was um, it was really funny. Um, but also like really like the music was really good. That like demon song they were writing, I, I was digging that. Look, I'm gonna say this right. 
one, I was not expecting the type of like metal they went for. I was like, God damn, Foo Fighters. Okay. I'm not saying like I am a Foo Fighters fan myself, but I have to say, as someone who hasn't necessarily loved their more pop oriented um, approach to their recent releases, um, like incorporating that into their music, just again, not my personal favorite. I'm much more into when they were just a straight up rock band. Um, hearing this and you think like god you guys can go heavy why don't you do that like at this point in your career you guys really can't do anything wrong like give me this like you guys can clearly play like yeah um i love the bit at the beginning with jeff garland as their man as their manager he's like you know we need an album and he's just like saying crazy shit at them and uh there was a moment where dave Grohl tells the band like i've been an, an enormous red puckered orangutans asshole to you guys and that's just god damn this is a crazy i wonder how much of this was ad-libbed i hope a good i was laughing my ass off when whitney cummings was telling them what's going on and she's like i'll just suck it out of the old-fashioned way and she's referring to a job <laughs> well i love the one guy who's into her is like no 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 we'll find another way <laughs> I love how they keep making fun of him with that too. And he's like, we should go talk to her. You just want to bang her, dude. <laughs> he's like, yeah. Like he doesn't hide it. He's just like, yes. <laughs> I almost feel like he would be me in that scenario. Like, yes, you guys don't want you to do Jesus. Look at her. Um, I was so blown away by the fact that John Carpenter did the music. Dude, okay. John Carpenter does the music. Then he cameos and Carrie motherfucking King from Slayer. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, how did you? All right, Slayer, I can get. I understand. I, I get why he would want to be involved. How the fuck did they get John Carpenter in on this? Because he does not do anything unless it's like the music for the new Halloween. So they did an interview. I swear I don't blame disgusting. They it was a favor. Apparently, the Foo Fighters had his son there help produce his album, or they had him open for them. And so Dave thought it would, they both thought it would be cool that John Carver just simply scroll the film. He's like, let me take my shot. He's probably going to say no, but I'll ask anyway. He he hit him up. He said, hey, you know, Dave, go for Foo Fighters. I want just to ask for doing this little horror film. Do you, do you, would you like to do the score for it? Apparently, John Carver said, hey, you gave my son a chance. I'll do anything for you guys. What do you need me to do? Like, and he's like, I'll do it for free. Like, you guys help my son out. I'll help you out. Fuck. That's awesome. Jeez. So all you got to do to get John Carpenter involved in your project is do right by him and his. I, I appreciate that. That's a, that's a code of a good guy. I like that. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah. So yeah, that's purely because they helped his son out and Carpenter's mulling around to return the favor. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. We were going to explain the premise. We never did that. <laughs> we got oh, carried yeah. away again. Uh, Foo we Fighters. Really like the moment we mentioned Whitney Cummings, and I don't blame either one of us. Yeah, can, I, mean, I mean, we're red-blooded, you know, straight men who aren't dead yet. What do you expect? Yeah. Anyway, um, the, <laughs> the Foo Fighters are approaching their 10th album, and they want a unique new sound. And Jeff Garland just happens to know this haunted mansion <laughs> and it's explained later why he knows this haunted mansion and uh, he hooks them up. They 
go to this abandoned mansion where a, a band who uh, was pretty famous in the, I think it was like the 80s. Yeah, this supposed to be the next Chains Addiction. Yeah. So I actually put them more in 90s. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, well, they played there and then they all died. Uh, so, ooh, ominous. And one by one, the Foo Fighters, you know, start experiencing weird shit. Dave Grohl gets possessed by demons and starts killing the band. <laughs> like, making them play this like 40-minute uninterrupted song and brutally murdering his entire band in crazy fucking ways. <laughs> I loved the, the barbecue grill scene, and then he fucking ate the guy. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like the, the Taylor Hawkins uh, death. He just flings a symbol into his face. That was impressive. Yeah. I, I thought all the shit with Will Forte was hilarious. His hairdo, his like his demo, his band bone structure, <laughs> the ranch. <laughs> just Dave Roll just being like, you know, I'll just use the marinara and closing the, uh, the door on him. God damn it. <laughs> I liked, he's just like, you guys are my second favorite band right behind Coldplay and Dave Grohl's slow turn. <laughs> in the, you know, I um, ordered ranch with this. <laughs> like, why would you say that, Dave fucking Grohl, you idiot? <laughs> oh, God. Speaking of, like, before we go, did you watch the Hot Ones interview this week? I watched a, a good chunk of it. I didn't get to finish it. Okay. Did, it's funny because Sean definitely got drunk at the end of that with Dave Grohl. Oh, that Dave showed up with fucking cocktails. And it made me laugh that in the like during a pandemic, he's fucking straining the drinks with his hand. He doesn't care. He's like, fuck it. They have separate tables because of that shit. And he's just straining with his fucking fingers. <laughs> And he's talk about his, you know, his grill, like maestro shit. And I love they brought that up in the movie. His whole barbecue <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you like it, charred and whatever he said, then just Dave Grohl mouthing, fuck you. Well, at first they like turn away and they turn back to Dave and he's just like glaring at him. <laughs> <laughs> Funny as hell. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, the chainsaw <laughs> death like really blew my fucking mind. I did not expect. Uh, yeah, that was like first like you could as soon as the gore started, I was like, this is the guy who gave us Hatchet Three for sure. Like, <laughs> it, it's 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 carrying over into this film, and I like that because yeah, that chainsaw death like holy shit! I'll give Dave credit; he continued to be Mister Nice Guy Dave, and he it looked like he let him finish first, and then started chainsawing. I don't know. It look, looked like he let maybe her finish. I don't know if he got to finish. Maybe, she, yeah. It looked like, but she looked like she was having a great time until a chainsaw came through her. <laughs> well, yeah. God damn. Um, Dude, I, um, sorry. I just saw it. Like when they're, yeah. when they're reading from the book and <laughs> they're going over like how you know someone's possessed and they're showing all the instances of like Dave Grohl. Being possessed. When he, just, when he just flies in. <laughs> and <then> just, <laughs> just, 
with the excessive masturbating, and then you can just hear the noise in the bathroom and Pat Smear knocking on there. Hey, what are you doing in there? I love that Pat <laughs> slept in the fucking kitchen the whole time. Yeah, and just wanted snacks the whole time. I love when the, the realtor walks in and he's on the ground next to like a bottle of barbecue sauce and she thinks he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Played by uh, American Horror Stories on Leslie Grossman, by the way. She's a major like American Horror Story actress. Nice. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this uh, oh, was I going to... Um... I thought possessed Dave Grohl was like did a good performance when he like they're exercising him and he's like you know he made a killer barbecue and all that shit like Dave Dave I want him to do more shit like this I was really yeah. impressed you, and this you, was his you, idea uh, like he came up with this during the pandemic he's like what if the food fires were in a haunted house <laughs> God what what a talented man he is just. <laughs> Well, my favorite um, thing about him is that, like, I, you know, in that Hot Ones interview, he does not, like, carry himself like he's one of the most iconic rock stars of all time. He's like a goofy dad. And I, I love he's, that. He's been known as, like, one of the nicest guys in the working in the business. I mean, those videos of, like, there was one video of, like, there videos of him, you know, stopping concerts for whatever reason. Um, one, because, like, some guy started fighting and he stopped it. And that was when he was in, like, the chair. Because he had fucked up his leg. So he's yelling at a guy sitting in the chair, like, get out of my show. You don't fight at my fucking show. We dance. <laughs> and um, then there was like another show. They sh- uh, another one they showed where like, I guess someone passed out and like he stopped playing. He got the crowd and he actually got off the stage with the paramedics and helped take took care of the person until they were okay. And then he got on stage and so like, hey, just so you guys know, you know she's okay. She's going to take care of right now. She's going to start from the top. Like, the dude's apparently, like, super fucking nice. I believe it. I 100% believe it. I love that that's why everyone was, like, so shocked that he was, like, that's how they figured out he was possessed. He's like, that's not Dave. (laughs) Dave's not an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, yeah. Dave Dave really did kind of ace it in this movie. My favorite moment is when they want to keep going and Pat like wants to do it in the morning. He's like, no. And Dave's like, did you just say no to Dave Grohl? <laughs> and then, like, tries to attack him. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, this was a very funny movie. I really I liked it. I, when I saw, I saw it with my cousin, we were the only people in the theater. I was yeah, really I, about that. Yeah, I was really hoping that like the fact that the Foo Fighters are in it and how popular the Foo Fighters are, that, that would attract people to go see it. It doesn't look like the case. So again, kind of going back to what, what we said at the opening of this, like this is what I'm talking about, you know, like with these directors complaining, right? You know, your monster says he's complaining all that stuff. And audiences you know, sent sent there complaining that all we get is MCU or DC now, because they're kind of having they seem to be kind of on a an uphill swing here recently. We'll see how the rest of this year plays out for DC. Um but you know, that's that's all we get. And I'm like, well, your money's showing it, like. Yeah, to an extent, I, the, the marketing can also be blamed. They should have marketed this film more because there was like almost no advertising for this, which is weird. You think there'd be all the advertising for a few fighters film? Um, but I was hoping for like a tie-in soundtrack, like a hit single off the movie or yeah. something. Yeah, 
Well, so apparently they filmed this when they were actually doing Madison to Midnight. Like this, this is when he came up with the idea for the movie was when they went to go record that album. My God, Dave's really possessed. <laughs> Maybe Sean Evans <laughs> saved him with hot sauce. Yeah, and getting drunk with him. <laughs> it's really funny when you start seeing like Sean clearly drunk. Um, I loved when David's talking about his friend who gave him advice and he's like, make sure you drink milk beforehand. It's not about your mouth. It's about your asshole. <laughs> That's really good advice for hot wings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so, that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, they, 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 uh, you know, they, he came with the idea for the film during uh, that recording. I think he said after they got done recording the album, that's when they filmed it. Um, then they filmed the film in secret. So it was like literally all done at the same time. Um, and it's just, in, you know, interesting that, like, you know, they, he does this, they get it out there. Again, not that much advertisement, but still, like, the fact that like people were complaining so much about the type of films that get released nowadays on the on the big screen. I'm not talking about all the different indie stuff and the streamers, but the big screen. But then when something like this comes out, in a small little horror film that I literally just ask you to have a good time. Like it's all the film's asking you to have is like sit back, enjoy, have a great time. But no one goes to see it. Like you said, Althea was pretty empty when we went to go see it. It was like me, me, Josh, and then maybe a couple other people. There was like one couple in the front row with us and few other like you could tell like Free Fighters fans here and there, right? Sprinkled throughout. Um, but not a lot. Like yet, you, you know, Spider-Man's damn, you know, two hundred million away from like a two billion dollar gross, like and still playing in theaters, like don't sit there to an extent, like, yes, the studios could do better on advertising from these smaller films. At the same time, I can't stress enough, like you can't sit there and complain. That you're not getting these, you know, these types of films you want, but then turn around and you don't go see them at the theater. Like, if you want it and you want to show the studio that you want it, then you need to go see a theater. You need to show them in the box office. I feel like these people who are complaining about, you know, I don't want Marvel movies, I don't want Star Wars, I don't want, you know, box office popcorn movie. They also probably don't give a fuck about horror movies. Probably not. It's just. It's just a really funny argument to me when, you know, here's something different. It's not an MCU movie. It's not a DC movie. It's not a fucking Fast and Furious 20 movie. You know, it's it's a small little horror comedy on the few fighters owned by Hatchet 3 director that's just saying like, hey, come sit back, come with your buddies, maybe get a few beers, laugh your ass off and enjoy the movie. And yet not that many people are rushing to see it. So the studio looks at it and goes like, well, no one wanted that movie. Let's make another franchise, huh? Another franchise sequel. Why not? I was really hoping this was going to work. Like, this was going to be big. And then, like, we get, you know, I don't know, ACDC saves Christmas or some shit. Like, I want to see, like, more kind of rock bands doing, like, outlandish shit in movies. I like this idea. Yeah, I would have been down to see more. See some, like, uh, I would have been down to see, like, some, like, maybe Slipknot doing something. (laughs) Yeah, I... Bring it on. I, yeah, I I like this. Uh, I love that it ended up being like Jeff Garland is a Satanist and needed to bring the like the devil out. And the only way to do that is Dave Grohl has to go solo now. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, 
Uh, yeah, that was an issue. I will say my own, and this actually was like my only negative to like the whole film is that I do think there it could have been a little tighter on the, the runtime on the editing. So I do think it took quite a bit of time to start. Like it took a while to get to the main plot point. And don't get me wrong, like obviously it's offset by a lot of great comedy moments and their chemistry, but it does take a while to get to like the possession point. And then on the flip side, it takes a while for this film to end. Like after a while, I was like, oh, this is another okay, we're wrap- okay, we're wrapping this up. It felt like when you watch like, you know, the jokes everyone makes about Return of the King and it's 25 different innings. It's kind of like that. Like it just it was wrapping something up and then it kept going and then wrapped that up and kept going. And like I said, luckily, because it was so fun and the gore and all that good stuff, I was mostly able to forgive it, but it was something else where I was like, okay, you could have tied it just a little bit more. What are some of your uh, favorite Foo Fighters songs? Some of my favorite Foo Fighters songs? No. Uh, I'm very partial to Best uh, Best of You. Um, that's always got me. I don't know why. That always gets me like right in the feels. Uh, the Pretender. That was actually my intro to them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I remember seeing that video and going, like, oh, what's this? Uh, the Pretender. Some other stuff that's on my phone that I'm trying to remember. Um, all, all, all my life, the one that you kind of hear in the movie, that's always actually been a, a favorite of mine. The whole song, not the little bit you hear in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my sure. hero. Yeah. My hair has always been one. And then, yeah, that's like, I'll, if you're talking the classic stuff, that, um, there's also stuff like Bridge Burning, mm. uh, Mr. Misery, Off Wasting Light, which was actually the last album I think I loved from them. Or no, Sonic Highways I really liked a lot. So, yeah, those are some of my favorites. Nice. Uh, I like everything you just mentioned. Um, I really like times like these. That's a good that's a, one. That's a favorite of mine. Um, I like, I love it, you know, Everlong, of course, but I like the acoustic version of Everlong that came on the uh, Greatest Hits album. I really like that. Oh, yeah. My hero, I always associate with the other guys. When Samuel <laughs> Jackson and Dwayne Johnson jump off, the, they jump off the roof, you know, aim for the bushes. And just the bushes. fall on the fucking sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought Concrete and Gold was a really good album. I really liked uh, Arrows and Run and uh, La Dida. Like that had some good tracks on it. I say I think I only got I liked Run in the Sky's Neighborhood. I like those two songs. Concrete off their newest one, uh, Making a Fire and Waiting on a War are the best on that album. Waiting on a War, No Son of Mine. I really like No Son of Mine. Nice. Shame, God, shame was okay. That was a weird first single to release. I know. I was like, this is an odd, this is an odd ball. I couldn't, I couldn't really get into that one. Uh, something from nothing from Sonic Highways. I really like that one. Yeah, that one's that one's good. I, that, that was an interesting album. That was one of the each song was from a different place they recorded. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, something from Feast in the Fan was also really good from that album, I thought. Good track. Um Breakout. It's a great one. Uh, this is a call. Uh, uh, um, these days, off wasting light. That that one's in my top five. I, I love that song. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I thought wasting light was just really good album, in my opinion. Heavy album oh. for them too. That was great. 
That was great. Uh, yeah, Foo Fighters rock. I got to see them in concert a few years ago. Uh, they were playing in Austin, and uh, it was the Concrete and Gold tour, and they opened with uh, with Run, and they played like all their hits. They did a whole thing on uh, you know, the Pretender, and this is a call. They there was this dude in the front row, I guess, who pops up at random concerts uh, in Kiss makeup. They call him Kiss Guy, and uh, Dave Grohl was like, "Kiss Guy, get up here," <laughs> and like gave him an axe and they played like I think it was Monkey Wrench or one of one of the hits uh together. <laughs> I think you let him have the guitar. It was oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've heard they put on really good shows. Oh, it was it was awesome. It was epic. Great show. Uh, I was hoping to see him again, but I don't think they're swinging through Texas on this next tour. No, I I know like touring got all fucked up with pandemic. So like some bands are just not resuming. Um like, what is it? Like, I think some folks, they were supposed to come out with an album, like, at least two years ago. But then the pandemic happened, and they were like, we don't want to release a new album until we can go on tour again to support it. And that's why they've delayed it so much. Um, so, it, yeah, it's been weird, weird scheduling with tours right now. Um, I know things are, like I said, I know everyone's kind of focused on what's going on in the world, but I know, like, a lot of news with the pandemic has I keep hearing the word endemic a lot more than we've had in the past couple of times. Yeah. Um, CDC is uh, rolling back mask stuff. Like it's, it's feeling like this is it. Right. Yeah. Just in time for, you know, this Russia bullshit. Like we don't get any time to breathe in between huge historical events anymore. No. Um, but like with that said, hopefully things should get more solidified. So all these bands like profiles will roll through places they usually do people should be able to see them again things are starting to get back to the normal we miss oh i've got like six other concerts lined up this year like i've I've got a lot of tickets pending and not stuff Mm -hmm. that like i've been waiting on like stuff that's happening now like you know jack white's touring and black keys are touring red hot chili peppers are touring like i'm i'm in line for all that shit so i think like we're we're pretty we're pretty good we're gonna be fine yeah um yeah we'll be fine uh, yeah, Foo, it's it, like I said, man, Foo Fighters. I I never would have expected being a fucking horror film. Um, I thought it was funny that he kills off his entire band, and he makes it out and goes solo. Like, what does that say? That's some. That's a lot of a lot of subtext there. I don't I don't think they cared. <laughs> Probably not. I don't, I remember, I do remember thinking like Taylor Hawkins or drummers, like that guy, I swear to God, has not changed his look since they started that band. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Great, great movie. Fun watch. I give it an eight. I'm definitely going to be buying this one. I'll watch this again. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Like I said, you know, that some, you know, runtime issues for me, at least aside, it more than makes up for just how fun it is, how gory it is. Jenna fucking Ortega pops up in this, and that that is becoming like she's becoming like the quickest, youngest screen queen I think I've witnessed in re- recent years because she pops up in every fucking horror film I've been watching. Um, but hey, good for her. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie. The band's clearly having the time of their lives. They are all more than willing to have fun at themselves at their personas, uh, which is nice. And. You know, I'm glad after some of the issues that, um, oh, God, God damn it. Adam Green, there you go. Oh, my God, I forgot. 
has kind of talked about, has hinted at with Hatchet 3. Um, not anything with BJ uh, McDonald at all. It sounds like um, some producer type issue um, as far as like him being more involved in that movie than he wanted to be. Hence why he handpicked, B, you know, BJ to direct that film. Um, so whatever happened there, I'm just glad that BJ McDonald was able to make this film and kind of really do his own thing and really fake something on his own. And I think he excelled. I really hope to see him do a lot more horror or horror comics, whatever his heart desires. So overall, yeah, eight, eight out of 10. If you're looking for a good fun time with the movies, this is, this is it. You better watch it before the Batman comes out. Cause that's going to be three hours of brooding that we're about to get. Well, this was fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, you can always follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Filmgasm Productions. You can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com for recommendations, uh, feedback, anything, or you can shoot us a message on the socials. If you want to support the show, you can click on support this podcast on your podcast provider. Throw us anything you think we deserve, even if it's nothing. Um, only one film to talk about next week. The film we've been waiting for for what feels like a lifetime. The Batman. Matt Reeves' reboot of The Cape Crusader, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Andy Serkis, Peter Sarsgaard, and John Turturro. Looks absolutely stunning. Cannot wait. This is the film of the year for me. Oh, yeah. I've been, look, I'm joking about the runtime and the brooding aside, you know, by what it's going to be a good chunk. Um, I am really excited for this. I'm really excited to see Matt Reeves' take on Batman, Matt Reeves, if I'm correct, directed Dawn and the Planet of the Apes. And War. And War, yeah, those, like, and no, you're right, I loved Rise, I really did, Rise was really good, but he fucking blew that out of the water with Dawn and War, um, so I'm very excited to see what he does with Batman, and it looks, it looks good, it looks like a Batman, like, he found a way to present a certain way we haven't seen with going and having him actually be a detective and having a very noir aesthetic to it that I don't think we've actually really seen, because I won't even say I won't really consider Tim Burns films nor because it's just Tim Burns style. Yeah. Well, I, agree. I agree completely. I think that every director has tried to put their mark on Batman. Matt Reeves is really exploring the darker aspects of the character in a neat way we haven't seen yet outside of like the cartoon. Um and from what I hear, uh, Pattinson apparently spends a majority of the film in the suit actually as Batman, which we've also never seen. Most of the, the Batman films, actually all the Batman films have most of the time just Bruce Wayne and like maybe 15 minutes or less of Batman. So mm -hmm. this time we're getting the whole enchilada. And also, you know, Reeves and Pattinson have, have talked about a, a franchise, like a trilogy here. So I, I think this is going to be big and we're going to see maybe the best Batman films we've ever seen i have yeah. very high high hopes and i think they're going to be justified yeah i same i think i think this is going to meet my expectations the trailers have i've never had a movie where each trailer is got me more excited usually yeah. by the time the third second or third show i'm like stop with the trailers like you got me stop i don't want that much more movie to rebuild this has been awesome I'm like god i just want to see this movie like i'm getting that excited for it the fact that passes opened up and actually like been positively talking about wanting to do like a trilogy um, of this after his experience with Twilight and him kind of very much after that being against the idea of being in our franchise and doing that to me says a lot. Um, and you have an actor that's been adamant about like, I don't want to do franchise again. I fucking, you know, 
he gets from the door at Twilight. He's very much been open about that. It was just a way to get his foot in the door and get going. And he did his indie stuff. And now he's saying, like, no, I, I really like this movie. I like this character. I like Matt Reeves. I want to do this trilogy. That, to me, is, like, already a really good sign of good faith. Well, I read an article where Pattinson basically said, like, I will play Batman as long as people want me to be Batman. Like he said, this is like the crown jewel of his career. This is a role actors kill for that. He is so like excited and grateful for this, that he wants to do this forever. So that that's just fucking right. And just from the trailers alone, I'm like, this dude understands Batman. <laughs> like this is going to be good. <laughs> Look, man, I have said it like so many people when they announced them were like, really rabbit path in the Twilight era. I'm like, you have got to watch his indie stuff. I'm like he's a phenomenal actor. Like, just watch The Lighthouse if you want the, the closest to a mainstream thing he's done until, you know, this Batman movie comes out. And, like, you can see, like, this guy has talent. Fucking a phenomenal actor. Can hold his own against someone like William Defoe. Like, I had no doubt in my mind seeing what he's done in the in, in indie circuit, seeing The Lighthouse and going, like, no, he's going to fucking crush it. And... This time it won't be like Jared Leto and the Choker where I'm dead wrong. I got a feeling I'll be right this time. I think he is going to blow people away with how good he is. This is the first DC movie in a very long time where I have zero doubts. <laughs> I'm just going in 100% excited as a Batman fan. You know, just give it to me. I don't know why, but the, the Peacemaker theme song is playing in my head right now for some reason about it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'm, I am I can't wait. And the, the different takes we're getting on the villains. Um, I, I know, like, Colin Farrell's been very upfront that he's not even in that movie that long. But it looks like he's going to fucking make it worth it with his take on the Penguin. Um, well, from what I hear, he's just like Oswald Cobblepot. He's not quite the Penguin yet. But this is like a proto penguin, and then I'm, I'm betting penguin's gonna be the bad guy in part two, or in the show because we got the he's confirmed he's doing the his own spinoff show. So, right. I mean, yeah, just so. like the prosthetics, the like his voice, like Jesus Christ, is he gonna be great? Paul Dano looks fucking scary oh, as the Riddler, yeah. like turning him into him. a like so like a serial killer is a very interesting move. Riddler's always been kind of a goofy character, so to to to, to you know turn him into this kind of monster is a really cool idea. And just from the trailers, like this is, a, he looks like Batman's intellectual match. This is going to be yeah, cool. It is going to be cool. Um, Did you see that? I read it on IGN. Apparently in full like prosthetics and makeup and everything, Colin Farrell went to a Starbucks afterwards to see if it would work. Like if people recognize him and no one did. <laughs> Latte for Oswald. <laughs> I love that. I read that, um, when he introduced himself to Jeffrey Wright on set, Jeffrey Wright thought he was just like an extra. He didn't realize it was Colin Farrell. And after he realized, he's like, oh, my God. That's really good makeup. <laughs> good makeup. Oh. Based off what we see in the trailer, like, I didn't even recognize his voice. I mean, it took me. When someone was like, no, that's, that's Colin Farrell. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. If anyone's had, like, a career glow up, it's fucking Colin Farrell. Like over the past 10 years, the dude has become one of my favorite actors and I am super psyched to see him take on the penguin. Yeah. And apparently like this might really get him even more blown up. I mean, considering he's considering DC has faith in him to have him do his own show. Like 
put him of all the villains other than like Catwoman, who Zoe Kravitz, not to, she looks like she's going to fucking crush her as Catwoman. She really does. Um, but put him of all the villains like front and center in those trailers as well. It's like that shows to me like so much faith from DC of like, no, nah, we you're good with him. Let's let's get him to help get people in. Uh, so uh, no, I'm, I'm very pumped. Oh god, yeah. Like I said, the early, I mean, everything about this early Batman going to the nor route, damn near bring, like towing that line of it being a fucking horror film for Christ's sakes. Like everything they're doing is what I have been hoping in a Batman film instead of like Nolan, you know, they, they did the Tim Burton Batmans and they wanted to copy that style until Nolan did his Batmans and they wanted to copy that style. And then Zack Snyder did his thing and no one wanted to copy to Zack Snyder style. <laughs> so getting like a new take that to me, again, I'll be able to fully judge come, you know, Thursday night when I go see it. Um, but for me, it's looking to be my most, my favorite take of Batman, um, I'm down. Like, I, I, I can't, I cannot wait. I'm also very excited to hear the score because the bit I've heard of Michael uh, Giacchino's score is like a hybrid of Danny Elfman's Batman score and Hans Zimmer's Batman score into this cool, like, proto-Batman music. It's like, Christ. <laughs> it seems like everything, every bit of, like, work put into this movie is done by people who understand Batman better than maybe anybody who's ever done it on film. And, oh, ah, next week's going to be a long one because we are going to have a lot to say. <laughs> oh. I mean, it's a three-hour film. I better have a lot to say. Yeah. It's two well, hours miss- five minutes, but it's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's well, five minutes? Like, it's three hours. <laughs> uh, don't miss Batman week here at Filmgasm Productions. On Wednesday's Filmgasm, we're talking Tim Burton's 1989 Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. On Friday's Beyond the Bad, we're talking 1995's Batman Forever with Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, and Jim Carrey. And on Oscar Sunday, we're talking 2005's Batman Begins with Christian Bale, Liam Neeson, Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, Gary Oldman, and so many other fucking amazing actors. So buckle up. It's Batman all day, four days a week, this week. Enjoy. God knows we will. Uh, Have a great week. Keep watching movies.